gold are purified through the fire. I took this week and just looked through some of the uh, amazing what you can find online and just looked through some information as to how uh, gold and silver are purified. And uh, they'll take the ore from the mine and take it through many processes, removing the impurities, uh, making it into dust. And then they'll take that, that gold or that silver ore uh, through the refining fire. They'll, they'll pl- place it in a, a fining pot and heat it to extreme temperatures until it is melted. And then uh, gold, it said, melts at 1,943 degrees Fahrenheit. And as that gold or silver is melted, uh, they will take and remove the impurities from the top of that pot. And uh, what is left are the purity, the pure silver, the pure gold. And really amazing, found out that that gold or that silver can be purified almost to 100% pure. All of the impurities removed. Now, gold and silver illustrate God's method of purifying in your life. That's what Proverbs tells us here. Verse 3, the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. And what the Bible teaches, God purifies his children through the fire. Uh, Jesus is pure. He's holy. He's righteous. And God uses the fire, the trial, the difficulties of our life, the storms of life. God uses those storms, those trials to make us like the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard the testimony, a gold refiner was once asked this question. How can you tell when the gold is pure? He says we we heat it up, we melt it, we remove the impurities from the top. But he said I I heat it, melt it, skim the impurities, and I keep up this process until, and here was his statement, until I see my reflection on the gold. When I see my reflection on the gold, I know that I have removed most of the impurities. And that's a picture of what God does in our lives. You see, He takes us through the fire, He removes the impurities of our life, and He continues that process until He sees the reflection of Jesus in and through our lives. See, God is more interested in your character than He is your comfort. He's more interested that you become like Jesus than you are, than He is interested in your comfort. And, and God is willing for His children to hurt if that's what it takes for you to be like Jesus. I've noticed through the years, and you see this in the Word of God, that often those most used of God are those that have been through the most severe of testings and trials. I love to read missionary biographies. And I notice that those that God so mightily used are often those that went through the harshest of difficulties, sometimes things that I can't even comprehend or imagine. And yet as they went through the fire, they did not get bitter. They became better and they became more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles. We're going to to look in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. This is going to be our text here today. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is for us this morning an illustration of Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 3. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse number 6, there's the statement, For whom the Lord loveth, 
he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, as we look through this passage of Scripture, what we see is, first of all, the examples of trial by fire. If you look back with me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, wherefore, and when you see the word wherefore, you look and see why it's therefore. And uh, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And if you look at the context of Hebrews chapter 12, we have Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the whole of faith. Uh, the men and women of God who served the Lord, who pleased God by faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now the first part of Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of those who won great victories by faith. Uh, for example, we have Abraham. Abraham received a promised son by faith. Abraham received a promised seed, a promised land by faith. Uh, Moses forsook Egypt. He did so by faith. And he was God's vessel to lead Israel out of Egypt. I want you to look at verse 33, Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. You see, God is teaching these men and women by faith accomplished the impossible because they had a big God. They were normal, ordinary, everyday folk like you and I who believed in a big and mighty God and God used them beyond their capability proving to the world that He is a living God. But I want you to notice the last part of chapter 11. In verse 35, the Bible says, And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Isaiah, we know from history, was sawn in half by Manasseh, the king of Israel or Judah. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in, in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute afflicted, tormented. Here God is describing this trial by fire of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. They were men like Isaiah sawn in sunder or in half by Manasseh. They were men like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, rejected by his nation, uh, spending much time in a dungeon. Uh, they were men and women of faith that endured the most horrible difficulties of life by looking to the Lord Jesus. They ran their race with patience. Though they faced difficulty, they through that difficulty served the Lord, did not back away, continued faithful to the things of God. Uh, we could speak in, uh, in our message of Job 
And we know of all that Job faced and suffered. We know how that Job lost his possessions, lost his family, lost his health, and was condemned by his own friends. Yet Job remained faithful to the Lord. He did not understand why he was going through this trial by fire, but he stayed faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could talk about men like Joseph who were sold into slavery by his own brothers and then thrown into prison by a false accusation. And yet Joseph remained faithful to the things of God. That's trial by fire. I want you to look in Hebrews 12, verse number 2. The greatest example of this trial by fire would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We, we sing about the cross today, and we cannot fathom all that Christ suffered for our sin. My sin, your sin, was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He was made to be sin for us. Uh, he was in the world and the world knew him not. This very world that he spoke into being rejected him, condemned him, sent him to the cross. And on the cross he was rejected by his own father as the weight of sin was placed upon him. And he cries from the cross, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ, he suffered immensely. He suffered horribly in ways that we cannot fathom or imagine today. And other Christians have faced trial by fire. Christ endured great suffering. And so the Bible's teaching, we ought not be surprised. See, we're living in a day of Christianity where everybody thinks when you come to Christ, everything's going to be perfect. There are going to be no difficulties. There'll be no trial. And, and, and I think many are being conditioned today when the trial... Somehow God has failed, and that's not the case, and we're going to see that this morning. Do you realize in China, whenever they have a new convert, they teach that new convert how to suffer for Christ, and they teach that new convert that it may mean death in their life, and there are places across this world in many Muslim countries when you come to Christ, it's almost a death sentence if you take for Jesus. Trial by fire. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, though some strange thing happened to you. But he says, Rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. In my own personal experience, many that I have known that have been greatly used of God have faced tremendous trials. I think, and I've told the story of, of the dear woman of the town, the church where I grew up, and uh, had cancer. And I remember the, the trial, the suffering that she went through in that cancer. And, and she had called the preacher and, and said, Preacher, we prayed and we've asked the Lord to deliver me from this cancer. And she said, The Lord has dealt with my heart. I don't believe that He's going to deliver me, but I believe He's going to give me the grace to go through this. And one of the most sweet Christian women I've ever known, and just her love for the Lord would shine through that difficulty in her life. That's trial. By fire. There are examples throughout the Word of God. 
the examples of trial by fire. Look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 4. Notice this exhortation as we face the trial by fire. In verse 5, Hebrews 12, he says to, to this group of Christians, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. And then he expresses, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Uh, what he is saying, this is the exhortation, don't despise this trial by fire. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. You've experienced this, you've known this, you've seen children maybe as they would get bitter at parents or bitter at authority or teachers when they were corrected. They would not receive that correction. They responded in a bitter capacity and we can do the same with God. You see, later in the chapter we have the example given of Esau. We don't know what Esau faced, though we, we could go back in the, in the Old Testament and we see some things that uh, there was evidently some favoritism in the home and there were some things that Esau uh, would face uh, there in that home. But it becomes evident that Esau got bitter at God. He became bitter under the discipline and as a result of that bitterness, he rejected the things of God. And the judgment of God upon his life in that state of bitterness. And I remember years ago I spoke with a man. He was bitter at God. And he was going through some difficulties in his life. He was having troubles at his job and troubles with money and troubles at home and uh, troubles here and troubles there and relationships uh, were broken. And he was blaming God for all that he went through. And in that bitterness, he, he, he just came to this point, I'm not going to serve God, not going to go to church. His statement is something like this, God has failed me. Listen to me, God never fails. You may not understand what you're going through or why you're going through it, but God never, ever, ever fails. And what God exhorts us is don't despise His chastening. I want you to know this morning, God is for you. He's not against you. God has your best in mind. And so God is on your side this morning. And whatever you are facing and going through in your life, it's not by accident. God has your best and your good in mind in what you're facing. So don't despise the chastening of the Lord. God's chastening is to be received. Notice in verse 5, that latter part, he says not only don't despise it, but don't faint. He said, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. He's expressing to you, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let down. Don't turn aside. Uh, don't faint. Uh, our football coach used to say, today we're going to separate the men from the boys. We're going to decide today who really means business on this football team. We're separating the men from the boys. And uh, sure enough, after the first couple of weeks of practice, uh, many of the young men not really serious about it would quit. And see, these words used of God are, are those for us to remain steadfast, remain unmovable under trial. James chapter 1, verse number 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. He tells us 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Remember reading the testimony of Polycarp, a faithful Christian martyr from years gone by. Polycarp, when tried for his faith, was asked to recant his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Polycarp said, 80 and 6 years have I been a Christian. Why now should I deny him who has been so faithful to me all of this life? Why should I deny him at the end of my life? And he would not recant his Christianity. Went to the stake, burned for his faith in Jesus Christ. Faithful to the end. He said, don't despise God's chastening. Don't faint when you're chastened of God. That's the exhortation. There's some evidence given by this trial through fire. See, when we face trial by fire, it gives evidence to us. Look in verse 6. There's evidence of God's love. He says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Satan is a liar. He'll tell you in the midst of your difficulty, if God really loved you, then why are you facing this trial? That's, that's the lie of Satan. If God really cared for you, why is it so difficult in your life? See, it's just the opposite. God is expressing to you, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. God loves you so much that he's willing to let you hurt if that's what it takes to make you like Jesus. Stole of a little lamb that continued to stray from the flock, wander out into the wilderness. It was said the shepherd finally caught up to the little lamb, took the little lamb, broke the legs of the lamb, and put that lamb upon its, his back. Carried that lamb till the legs healed. I'm thankful that God has broken my legs at times. I'm thankful that God put me in a position at times through the difficulties where I had continued to wander astray. And he showed me his love. He showed me how he wanted a close relationship with me. One of the greatest testimonies, as we've mentioned, of enduring trial by fire is that of Job. You consider all that Job endured, all that Job faced, and yet you look at God's relationship with Job. It's very evident that the Lord loved Job. It wasn't because God didn't love Job. In fact, Job was a righteous man. Job was faithful to the things of God, yet Job went through all of the difficulties and testimony. And in the end, we know that God restored unto Job twice of what he had. God manifest and proved his love in Job's life through these trials by fire. He gives evidence of God's love. Look again, verse number 6, this latter part. It gives evidence of our relationship. He states in verse number 6, and he scourgeth every son, every son, every son, I point that out, every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Very simply, God disciplines his children. Sometimes God will take you to the woodshed. If you are his child, God will speak to your heart. And if you do not listen as God speaks, then God will begin to spank. As God spanks, there can be a loss of joy, 
I think of David in Psalm 51 as he prayed after his adultery with Bathsheba and after the murder of Uriah. Uh, David uh, prayed and he said in his confession to the Lord, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Uh, David never lost his salvation. Friend, that's an impossibility. If you're saved by the grace of God, you are sealed by the Spirit of God under the day of redemption. That salvation can never be taken away from you. Uh, but I guarantee you, as a child of God's, if you get away from the Lord, uh, the Lord will not allow you to be comfortable. You're going to be miserable, and some of the most miserable people are those that are saved but out of the will of God for their lives. God speaks and then he spanks and there's a loss of joy. There can be a loss of blessings, a loss of possessions, a loss of health and even a loss of life if we fail to heed the judgment and the chastening hand of God. I remember so well, Andrew, my oldest son, was in our Christian school. And Andrew got in trouble one day. And those of you that knew Andrew at that time, he was in trouble every day. Okay. <laughs> He got in trouble one day, and as he got in trouble, uh, I brought him into my office. And I said, Andrew, you know what you did? He says, yes, Daddy, I do. Andrew, you know what the consequences are? Yes, Daddy, you're going to have to spank me. And I believe my correction, corporal correction, I believe it's biblical. I believe it's to be done in love. I believe it's to be done properly. There are consequences. And so I said, Andrew, you know the consequences. Yes, Daddy, you're going to have to spank me. And just before I spanked him, Andrew looks at me. And he says, Daddy, it's not fair. I said, Andrew, why? What's not fair? He says, Daddy, you're spanking me for some things that you don't spank others for. And I said, Andrew, you're right. But I said, Andrew, here's the reason. You're my son. They're not. And as my son, I am responsible and accountable to God to give you the correction that you need. And when I gave that answer, that response to Andrew, it was just a bonding that took place. In fact, that was the day he got saved. And he got right with the Lord that day. It was the discipline. Well, see, what God is saying, you belong to me. You've called upon me. You've been born again. You have my spirit in your heart. You're my child. I can't let you get by with some of the things that others who are not saved might get away with. And because I love you, God says, I have to discipline you. I have to chasten you. And so the discipline of God is the evidence of his love in our life. You look at verse number 8, if we could get away with sin, there's no discipline in our life, then we're not God's child. We're not saved. If we have not the conviction in our heart and there's no spanking or discipline from God, uh, God's Spirit doesn't reside within us. And I, I believe with all of my heart, a child of God can never get out of God's will without God's discipline. This is one reason I believe in eternal security. You see, I believe God will never let go of his child and I believe God will not allow his child to get out of his will without disciplining that child. God will discipline his children. There was a preacher who took an evangelist to visit a man that had once been faithful in church but had fallen away. Had once served the Lord faithfully but got bitter. Got bitter at people in the church, got bitter at the preacher and fell away from the things of God. And 
From all outward appearances, there were no consequences. And the evangelist began to witness to this man and said, Sir, you, you've been away from God and out of the will of God, and you're not facing any chastening or any discipline. You must not be the child of God. And this man broke down in tears, and he said, Preacher, you don't understand. He said, I've been away from God, and God has never let go from me. I've been the most miserable person. He said, I've faced all of these things. I've gone through all of these consequences and God has been speaking and I've been hard in my heart. And he said, God sent you here today because I knew I needed to get right with the Lord again. He said, preacher, I'm saved. He said, I can tell you when I got saved and how I got saved, but I haven't been in the will of God. And that man fell upon his face and got right with God that day, made his way back to church and faithfully, at the end of his life, began to serve the Lord with all of his heart. You see, the chastening of God is evidence of his love. And it's evidence of a relationship. Now let's look at the exercise of trial by faith, the purpose. What is God doing? Why does God discipline his children? Why the trial? You see, verse number 11 says, No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. And we don't like it. I, I never received a spanking from my dad or a school teacher, and I did get some in school back in those days. Never received a spanking that I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I didn't go to my dad and say, Dad, I, I feel in the mood for a spanking today. Would you, would you take this paddle after me? And I never went to my dad like that. Now, I should have at times. I deserved it at times, but I, I did not enjoy it. did not long for a spanking. And I, I don't like it whenever the Lord disciplines in my life, but I need it. And I have a wonderful relationship with my daddy today. And I'm so thankful for a daddy that loved me enough to correct me, loved me enough to discipline me. And I'm so thankful this morning for a God that loved me enough to discipline me. See, God has a purpose. And when we understand what God is doing, we can do as James said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now look at verse number 9 of Hebrews 12. He said, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not, not, not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he noticed this for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, the Word of God gives several purposes. He says, partakers of His holiness, Christ-like. He says in verse 4, You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He disciplines us that we might strive against sin, that we might come to hate sin in our own lives. He says in verse 11, No chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Uh, the Lord molds us through chastening to his image. Again, those that I have known that were most like Jesus were those that sweetly endured great trial. I had the privilege years ago of preaching the funeral for a young man, 10 years of age. He died of cancer he had been gloriously saved. He had been saved here at, at Valley Bible Baptist. And, and uh, his relationship with the Lord. And as this young man went through the, the sweetest, sweetest spirit you can imagine. 
smile. Uh, you would go to encourage him in the hospital. He encouraged you. And just a sweet little guy. And, and I saw what the trial by fire did in his life. And so the Lord uses, us, uh, uses the chastening to mold us to be like Jesus. Go forward with me just a couple of pages. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. He exercises to make us like Jesus, but he exercises trial by fire to build patience in our life. You ever pray, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now? Here's how God gives you patience. He says in verse 2, James 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see, here the Lord builds patience, and and patience is endurance under great trial. Uh, Patience is continuing faithfully when facing a great difficulty. Uh, God uses the trial by fire to build that patience in your life. And if you're praying for patience, you're praying for trials. That's how God uh, deals with you. Uh, God also uses uh, the trial to prepare you for something greater. Uh, He he says here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 11, uh, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You study, again, those that God used, the wilderness journeys of the children of Israel, all of the trial through the wilderness. God used those trials to prepare them for the promised land. God anointed David as the king of Israel. But before David would sit upon that throne, David would flee for his own life from Saul. We read of Joseph and God gave Joseph a dream and a vision for his life. But before that dream or vision could be fulfilled, Joseph would be sold into slavery. And then Joseph would be thrown into prison trial by fire to prepare him to lead the nation of Egypt through the great difficulties of the famine. And God uses the trial by fire to prepare you for eternity. Isn't it so easy to dig our roots into this world and into this life? I've heard people say, I'm ready to go to heaven, just don't want to die right now. And that's our attitude. We get dug into this world. Think of my dear grandmother, many friends and relatives passed away. And I remember visiting with her and she said, Oh, Brian, I'm so ready to go to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of the people that I know are now on the other side of eternity. And at that particular time, she had a a tumor, a brain tumor. And it was not long after that that she did go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I remember my grandmother, she came to the point through the trial by fire. She was just ready to go to be with Jesus Christ. You know, I'm just wondering if in America we're not going to have to go through some trials and some difficulties because I think too many Christians have kind of dug into this world and we are so in tune with this world and so in tune with the materialism that sometimes the Lord may have to take some things away from us to gear our hearts toward heaven. The Lord uses the trial by fire to prepare us for eternity. Now let's look at the latter part of Hebrews chapter 12 
We're going to call this the endurance of trial by fire. How can we endure without bitterness or without fainting? Uh, Again, look at chapter 11 uh, and uh, the faith chapter. Well, let's look at chapter 12, verse number 2. How can we endure? We endure by faith or through faith. Uh, This is very important. This is worth memorizing, worth underlining. Looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. What the Bible is expressing is you face the trial by fire, put your eyes on Jesus. So often we put our eyes upon the circumstance, upon the difficulty, upon the trial. We begin to feel sorry for ourselves. But the Bible says, look unto Jesus. Keep your eyes upon the Lord. And as your eyes are upon the Lord, the Bible will give you, the Lord will give you grace to endure uh, and without fainting. Look in verse number 10. He says in verse 10, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. See, we may not understand what we're facing But we can know this, we can trust this. God works all things together for good to those that love the Lord. We know that if the Lord be for us, who can be against us? And we know as God has promised in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword? He says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor height nor power nor principalities nor things above nor things below can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, friend, keep your eyes upon Jesus. Endure by faith through obedience. Verse number 9. Hebrews 12. Endure through obedience. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection, in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Simply submit. We sing the song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I believe the principle is this, as you're going through the trials, just keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. So many people get into trouble. They go through the trial, they quit church. They go through the trial, they quit reading their Bible. They go through the trial, they quit praying. They go through the trial, they quit giving. Uh, They go through the trial, they quit witnessing. And God is expressing being subjection unto the Father of lights and live. Submit yourself, continue to do what you know you ought to do. See, it's in doing what you ought to do that God gives you the grace through the trial, through obedience. Don't quit. Keep faithful to the Lord. Look at verse 12. How do you endure? Through prayer. He says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. And as I read those passages of Scripture, I think of this as we are facing the difficulty. It ought to draw us to our knees, to the presence of Jesus. I think of David. The Psalms. David went through difficulty, trial, fire. And you read through the Psalms, the trials of David drew him to pray. 
He would look unto the Lord, but the Psalms are the prayers often of David through the trial. Continue to seek the face of God. Look at verse 15. How do you endure? Through God's grace. He says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. He gives again the example of Esau. I give you some secrets. God will never give you more than you can endure with him through his grace. If God has allowed a path of suffering in your life, then God's grace will be sufficient for you in the midst of that suffering. One of the most tremendous examples of that is that of Paul the Apostle, uh, the thorn in the flesh. He besought the Lord three times that God might remove that thorn. And God says to Paul, No, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, God will never allow you to go through anything but what not. His grace is sufficient for you. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. You will find that the grace of God is beyond, it's beyond you, beyond your ability. God will do through you what you cannot do yourself when you face the trial and the difficulty. And I mentioned I love missionary biographies. One of my favorites, The Golden Shore, Adoniram Judson. He was known as the first American missionary went to the land of Burma. Adoniram suffered horribly seven years of preaching before he had his first convert. Read the story of Adoniram Judson. He faced sickness and death of loved ones, lost several children as he preached the gospel. His wife, dear wife that he so dearly loved, went to be with the Lord and actually went through three wives uh, during his time in Burma. Uh, just the trials, uh, had spent much of his time in translating the Bible into the Burmese language. And after all of his work nearly completed with the task, he was in prison. While he's in prison, all of his transcripts were burned. All of that work, all of that labor burned. He didn't quit. He went back, translated the Word of God again. And do you know today in Burma, the Adoniram Judson Translation back in the early 1800s is still the Bible used in Burma today by solid Christians. Here's a man that endured trial, the fire, and was faithful to God. That's what Proverbs 17 verse 3 is speaking of. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. The Lord loves you so much that he wants you to be like Jesus. And he knows just what it's going to take to make you like Jesus. So when you go through the finding pot, don't get bitter. Don't quit. Don't faint. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. And the Lord will give you the grace and bring you to the other side. My father-in-law, his favorite statement in the Bible, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. You're going through a difficulty, God will get you through to the other side. It will come to pass. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe this morning, as we've preached, as we talked about the trial, we mentioned that if you're God's child and you're away from God, there will be the discipline. 
I may be speaking to somebody here today that you've never been born again. You know that you're not in the will of God, but you've not faced any consequences because of that. Maybe here today you would say, Preacher, if I died today, I would